Amen. Someone say amen. amen. <clears throat> Come on. Oh, that's the sound of a church that loves to worship God. Amen. How good is it to be in church on Freedom Weekend? Come on. We're the freest people on the planet, right? In the country and in our hearts. Amen. We got a lot to be thankful for. Isn't that the truth, right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I'm so glad that you're at church today. I want to say welcome to church, each and every one of you. So glad that you're here. Uh, we've got a free gift for you out in the lobby. Just find one of the people in the yellow t-shirts and they'll give you a free gift just to say thanks for coming to church today if you're new. Also want to welcome our Adel campus. Uh, God bless you. Those guys are amazing. Um, <clears throat> We got another couple of campuses starting later this year as well. We'll give you more information about that later on, but so good what God's doing here. The, um, hey, happy, happy 4th of July weekend. Come on. Happy Independence Day for tomorrow. The, um, uh, um, I just love, I love Independence Day. It's one of my favorite weekends of every year. And um, we go down to the Norwalk Parade, which is awesome. I feel like half the church goes there. It's super fun. Um, the mayor attends here, so if I don't go, he threatens to leave. So, but um, no, not really. But, but anyway, um, uh, this weekend, I, I put some American flags up on my truck, you know, decked our house in American gear. And, uh, and, and on my truck, right, I only put the flags up like yesterday afternoon and and it's like this amazing uh, identifier. Like, you put flags up on your... It's an amazing identifier. And all of a sudden, everybody that you drive past that doesn't hate America is like, yeah! You know? And then I even had, like, young kids hanging out. Like, there was, like, I don't know, four or five young people in a truck. And they're all hanging out the window going, oh! And I'm like, come on. I might leave them up all year just to let people know where I stand on this whole thing, you know what I mean? And, uh, but anyway, it, it was fun. And uh, I'm wearing my American shirt. This is my um, Somebody Tasted Amer uh, Freedom, Hated It, and Vomited It onto me shirt. And so this, this, this is my Freedom Vomit shirt, and I will wear it proudly. Come on, right? But uh, anyway, I, I am excited about, about, uh, about celebrating this year as, my, uh, as our first Independence Day as a Yank. So come on, <clears throat> it's going to be good, but... <clears throat> um, you may have heard that we were going to do masculinity part two this week. We're actually going to do that next week. Um, and uh, you also heard that, that we may talk about abortion. We will just for a couple of minutes today. But, um, but I really did feel like, um, like we can preach. Sorry, I preached that message like seven or so months ago, seven or eight months ago. So if you really want a message on abortion, please go to myternity.com forward slash sermons and just look up the hot topics from just seven months ago. And I've got a whole sermon on abortion right there uh, before it was cool to talk about it, all right? And so, so you know, just go, go, go listen to that. It, it's good biblical understanding of abortion and biblical understanding of grace as well. So please go there. Um, if, after the, if, if later on in the summer, if I feel led uh, to preach another sermon on that, then, then I will. Um, but right now, I've got a different word for you. Uh, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and as you go there, I just want to... Um, quickly just uh, remind you all that after the service, after our, sorry, not after this service, after our 10.30 service, um, our, our, our good friend Shelly Flockart is going to be hosting a conversation out there uh, on the patio for any women, um, and I know there are men affected by it too, and, and we should and we will at some point find some way to support them as well, um, but any women in our church or any of your friends uh, who are women that have been impacted by abortion, whether they personally had an abortion or someone in their family, relative, and that caused some loss or grief in their hearts. Um, <clears throat> there's just going to be a conversation out on the patio uh, to help people find healing uh, from those uh, past uh, choices or past things that have happened in their lives. And, and um, um, we, just, we, just, we just really don't want... Like, we know a lot of women are, like de are celebrating... The, the overturn of Roe v. Wade while simultaneously finding grief come back up in their hearts uh, from things that have happened in their past, okay? Uh, choices they've made. And, and we just want to let you know that because of grace, you can celebrate, uh, celebrate Roe v. Wade being overturned 
um, without passing a judgment on yourself. Amen. Um, grace upon grace upon grace. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, perhaps some of you need to find healing. So Shelly, uh, a good friend, and she, um, she's been through it as well uh, and has found healing uh, in a relationship with God. And, and she just wants to sit down with anyone. And there could be five or a or hundred, we don't know, uh, women who want to come and sit on the patio after church, after the 1030 service, uh, and have a conversation. Perhaps this conversation could be the beginning of healing in your life, okay? Um, so if you know anyone struggling, feel free to invite them to that. So. All right, Revelation chapter 2, you ready? All right, uh, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, uh, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And I'm just realizing that's not the translation I use, and um, there we go. <clears throat> um, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you've found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this one thing against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, from where you have fallen, repent. Do the things you did at first. If not, I will come and, and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. There, yet, sorry, yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. God bless you. Come on. You may take your seats. Um, all right. So... Um, <clears throat> Uh, we're going to pray in a moment, but first I want to tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, I, I heard the story about an older man and an older woman who were reminiscing about how things have changed. Anyone do that a lot now? Like the older you get, the, the, the more nostalgic things get because like it's just been so long, you know what I mean? And uh, they, they were just reminiscing about how things have changed, um, how things have changed in their marriage, in their lives. And um, the man always drove everywhere that they went. Um, they, they had a bench seat in, in the front of their truck. And the woman was talking about how she missed the good old days when she would snuggle up against him as they drove for miles and miles and miles with, with their arms around each other, just all snuggled up. And they'd be talking and laughing and holding hands or rubbing each other's legs. And, and occasionally she'd run her hands uh, over his neck or she'd rub his leg as he continued to drive. And she'd hold his hand and uh, feeling safe in his strong grip. Uh, and then and they were talking about how these days, as they live on a, a bumpy road, a, a dirt road, um, that, that she sits over in, in the passenger seat now and, and she misses the old days when they sat together. Uh, and, and he replied to her, well, I haven't moved. I'm still here. And, 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 and he's still driving. And, 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 and church, I wonder if as you've aged and as the road has gotten bumpy and as your belief system gets tested more and more in the world, uh, I wonder if you've moved from the bench seat over to the bucket seat. And today I want to talk to you about how now more than ever, in the middle of these culture wars the world has found themselves in and as a result the church too, that as the road has gotten bumpier, I want to talk to you about how you need to bring back the bench seat. Amen. <clears throat> that you need to get back out of the bucket seat, get back in the bench seat and, and get back close to intimate relationship with your heavenly father. Amen. So I want to pray for you right now. If you want that in your life or you want God to help you not even have to do that because you're still there. God, to help you maintain a, a good relationship with Him. Uh, would you lift up your hands? I want to pray for you right now. All right. God, I just thank you so much for your word. 
But God, I ask you to help us to stay the course, to stay obedient to you. God, but as we stay the course and as we work hard and as we serve you, I ask that you help us not to to lose our first love. God, those of us who have forgotten, who have moved out of the bench seat, help us today to, to rekindle that. I pray that this message might be like adding Uh, kindling into their hearts. And God, at the end, the altar call, you would come and and just set a match to it and you would light the fire that used to live in our hearts, God, that that we wouldn't just love living for you, that God, we would get back to a place where we love living with you. God, I pray this and I ask you to minister to every person in this room in the name of Jesus. Someone say, amen. (coughs) Awesome. Well, firstly, some of y'all heard Revelation and you're like, oh, a message on end times. Um, No, though as I read through Revelation, Daniel and the Gospels, I certainly do start to wonder uh, with what's happening in our world, you know, which book or which chapter today might be, anybody else, right? Um, But this isn't an end times sermon, uh, so to speak, but rather we're looking at a warning given to the churches and we're just going to pay attention so that it won't be us. Does that make sense? And so we're going to go back to the start of the the passage first, spend a few minutes there, and then we're going to get back to the end of it then. So in in, in verse um, 2, he says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, um, and I know that you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you've tested those who call themselves apostles but aren't, and you found out in your testing of them, you found out that they were false, right? He says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, right? At the end, he goes on after the the first love bit, he goes on to say, and you also have this other thing going for you. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, and I also hate the works of the Nicolaitans. Now, I believe that this passage is a great reminder, (coughs) encouragement, and warning for our church, okay? Because I think that as I read this, particularly that first half, I can see our church in this chapter where he's saying where he's saying you know I see all the hard work that you've done right I I see what you do because faith without works is dead and you are a church that does the work well done right I, I see your support for church planting in Guatemala I see the church that you planted eight years ago in India. I see the way you feed the hungry in Des Moines with your food bank. And and I see the women's shelter in Guatemala. I see y'all visiting the sick in hospital. I see you laying hands on the sick, even when they're sick. Hello, right? I see you serving each other at the wild. Uh, I see you serving each other on Sundays and Saturdays when you gather. I see you making lattes and giving them away. I see you playing in the worship band, out front leading my people into, <coughs> into the presence of God. I see you serving in the nursery. I see you winning the last every week. I see you not getting comfortable, not getting lazy. I see you making room. You're going further. You're building out the front. I see you pressing on. I see you being generous going over and above. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Well done. I'm proud of you. He continues, I see you endure the hardships, patiently trusting me, not giving up when it gets hard because the things that used to be acceptable are no longer acceptable and the things that used to be unacceptable are now acceptable, but you have pressed on. You haven't given up even though the message isn't so popular anymore. Thank you. I see you not abandoning the faith when people ridicule you, but you've stood firm. Thank you. He goes on, I see that you don't tolerate wickedness. You you won't tolerate people that do evil things. You haven't fallen in love with the world. You have recognized what I said in James, where I said, if you love the world, then you make yourself an enemy of God. Thank you for not falling in love with the world. Come on, right? See, now now listen up. Uh, We know that God wants us to love our neighbors, right? But he doesn't want us to love the ways of our neighbours. 
For God so loved the world, but God did not love the ways of the world. Can I get an amen? He's saying, thank you for not falling in love with their ways. Thank you for standing firm in your faith. You have a solid foundation. He goes on, thank you for being willing to call out false teachings. You've stood firm on the truth. And when people try to lead my sheep astray, you have been good shepherds. You have been good people. You have been good leaders. You've been good believers, good brothers, good sisters. And, and you, have, you have helped unlike the Nicolaitans. Thank you for not being like the Nicolaitans who have become just like the world. The Nicolaitan church, when you go in there, it's the same as it is out there. When you go to the Nicolaitan church, they eat what the world eats. They drink what the world drinks. They sell what the world sells. They love what the world loves. They smoke what the world smokes. They inject what the world injects. They grace who the world says you should grace. And they hate who the world says you should hate. They're just like the world. Thank you for not being like the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans refers to a group of believers who let the Roman world around them infiltrate how they worship, what they teach and what they believe. They became just like Rome. So in this end time prophecy that we just read, it's referring to churches that behave like that. They affirm what the world affirms and they, they, they reject what the world rejects and they offer grace to who the world offers grace. If the world doesn't want to give grace to Harvey Weinstein, you better not. If the world wants to give grace to people living in sin, then you better too. You do, it's not about whether or not there is grace or not. It's about having grace for who the world says to have grace and hating what the world and who the world says to hate. He says, thank you for not being like the Nicolaitan church. When people go to the Nicolaitan church, all they get is a new Spotify playlist for their phones. They, they, they act the same, they behave the same, they look the same, they love the same, they hate the same, but they drive home with a better playlist on their phones. See, the world hates people who hate abortion. So Nicolaitans will either never speak of it or they'll affirm it, or if they ever speak about it, they'll never condemn it. Nicolaitans would say to you today, don't celebrate when Roe v. Wade was overturned because Christians shouldn't gloat. Anyone else see that online like a thousand times this week? Right? Listen, these are the same people, these Nicolaitans. They would have been yelling at David the shepherd boy as he stood over Goliath's dead body with a sword. Come on. Don't gloat, David. Don't, don't, don't cut off his head, man. Oh, he did it. Come on. Right? This is what the Nicolaitans would have been angry at the Israelites for celebrating and singing as they marched out of Egypt. After hundreds of years of abuse, murder, and slavery, the Nicolaitans, they're suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. They'd be yelling out, have some respect for the Egyptians' feelings, they'd say. You're burning bridges with Egyptians. What if someday we need to come back and be slaves again? They won't accept us because on the way out, you celebrated that, that, you got to, that you got some freedom from that. Nicolaitans are worried. They're like, what if freedom's not all it's cracked up to be? What if freedom's hard? <laughs> Freedom is hard. When you're free, you got to make your own dinner. When you're in prison, you get three square meals a day, but you're not free. But outside, yeah, it's a bit harder to be free, but it's better. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Nicolaitans would have been angry at the Israelites because the Israelites on their way out of Egypt, they took gold and they plundered their way out. The Nicolaitans would have been standing there saying, you're not thinking about the Egyptians' feelings. Stop, that's not fair. Egyptians are gonna need that gold because now they gotta pay people to make their bricks. Come on. Nicolaitans, they can't tolerate victory because they're more comfortable in victimhood. They can't tolerate freedom from Egypt because they're more comfortable with Egyptians than they are with the Word of God. They feel safer in slavery than they do in freedom. And they misuse Scripture and they say things like, rejoice with those who rejoice while they won't rejoice, by the way, and mourn with those who mourn. You gotta mourn. You gotta mourn, they're telling us. 
Listen, I ain't going to mourn over the loss of an evil right. Come on. No, 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 no. I'm not going to mourn over the loss because someone's sad that they can't do something evil anymore, right? If someone was a murderer and they just loved murdering and they had the right to murder people and all of a sudden there's a new law, you can't murder people anymore and they're sad. I can't murder people. I'm not going to mourn with Moloch. I'm not going to mourn with that person. Sorry. Hello. I'm not going to mourn over the loss of an evil thing. Nicolaitans, they want to mourn with thieves because they can't steal anymore. I know it sucks that you can't steal anymore. Nicolaitans, they'd be over there with the Philistines crying with the Philistines going, oh my gosh, I know you loved Goliath and he was your hero and, 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 and I know you looked up to him and I know you told your kids and your kids' kids that they all want to grow up and be like Goliath one day and now he's over there beheaded. I'm so sorry. It's ridiculous. Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to mourn the loss of evil things. I'm going to rejoice in victory. I'm going to rejoice in the truth. Hallelujah. The famous love passage in Corinthians 13, love, love, love rejoices in the truth. They never talk about that bit. How, come on. I'm going to celebrate what God has done. But if I'm going to mourn, I ain't going to mourn with the protesters who hate life. I'll mourn with the woman who regrets what she did in her past. I'm going to mourn with the women who mourn and are broken by their past mistakes or things that happened to them. I'm going to mourn with the women who were tricked into believing that it was their only or their best choice. Oh, you better believe Lauren and I would stay up all night crying and mourning with that person. Absolutely, I'm going to mourn with them. I'm going to mourn with the woman who felt pressured to have an abortion by her boyfriend or her husband. I'm going to mourn with the man who, who, is, who pressured his girlfriend into an abortion and years later suffers with grief and sadness for his past mistakes. Oh, I'll mourn with him. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to hold him. I'm going to pray for him. I will mourn with those who mourn. I'm going to mourn with the ladies in our church who when Roe v. Wade was overturned, they rejoiced but also found that grief coming back up in their hearts as they had to reconcile what they believe now with the pain of their past. I'm going to mourn with these women. I'm going to tell them, I love you. We love you. Jesus loves you. You're not the sum of your past mistakes. We're here for you. We're praying for you. We mourn the loss of your child with you. And we want to see you live in victory and in healing. Can someone say amen? amen. <clears throat> but let's keep going. We've got more to preach. Y'all ready for this? Like three people over here were ready for it. Y'all ready for the rest? <clears throat> cool. We're going to have some fun. I've got so much time still. I've been like on fire with like staying on time the last two days. And then I went over by 10 minutes somehow yesterday anyway. I don't know what happened. It was the Holy Spirit. It actually was. Wasn't it, Amanda? Yeah. So there's a very important warning that we need to pay attention to. Verse 3 and 4. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this one thing against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first, or also said um, you have forgotten your first love. So he's saying, thank you for enduring. Thank you for standing up. Thank you for speaking up. Thank you for not giving in to the pressures of the world. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for being set apart and different to the world. Thank you. But you don't love me like you used to. And while we hate the ways of the world, we've got to remember to love God like we did at first. For our church corporately, together in general, I think we love the Lord even more than we used to. I feel like the Spirit of God is even sweeter now than ever before as we've embraced all that He has to say. But as times get tough and as we continue to stand up and as we continue to do the work, as we continue to care for people who are broken and spat out by society's anything-goes culture, We've got to make sure that our hearts stay sweet to the Lord and individually that your heart is sweet now. 
Because sometimes when the road gets bumpy, we tend to move to a safer seat, you know. We can tend to either give up on the truth or we go headfirst into the fight. But sometimes we get so stuck in fight mode, so stuck in fighting for the Lord and serving the Lord that we forget to like just sit at his feet and love being with the Lord. We love serving God and working for God, but do we love being with God still? And we begin to move from the bench seat to the bucket seat. And God's warning us today, I believe the warning for us is, hey, don't forget your first love. Don't forget what you did at the start. He's not talking about our love for people here, although we are called to love people absolutely, right? He's not talking about, you know, how we love our neighbors, although, yes, we are absolutely called to love our neighbors, right? And, that, that, and that's why individually we don't go after and attack people. The world does that. We speak broadly to issues. Here's this issue and this issue and this issue, or this group should stop doing this. But what we don't do is come in and be like, Caitlin, quit this and start attacking people. Why? Because we got to love our neighbors, right? We want to we broadly speak to the issues and the groups and the things going on in the world, but we don't want to make a target of them. We want to love them. We want to care for them. Amen? And, and so we do need to do it, but that's not what this is about. And, and, and it's not even about how we love each other, though we're definitely called to love each other in the church because Scripture says that they out there will know that we in here are His disciples, not by our love for them, but by, and not even by our love for God, but they will know that we are his disciples by how I love you and how you love me and how we love each other. So that's absolutely true, but that's not what this is about. This is all about our love for him. For in the church in Ephesus, in the midst of all the chaos, your love has grown cold. Married folks, you remember your early years, your early relationship with your spouse, you remember? Your memory still work? Yeah? You know, like, you know, sending I love you texts in the middle of the day, just because. Sending flowers, just because it's Wednesday. You know? Remember that? Like, oh, that sort of year, you just cannot stop communicating all the time, you know? And now you get home, you're like, shut up, you know? Like, like, quit talking, you know, like, I've had a big day. And back then, after the biggest day, the solution to your weariness was a hug from them and a conversation with them, right? You remember that, right? Remember those first love hugs at the gym where it didn't matter if you were nasty, sweaty, you just hugged them anyway. You're like, then you peel yourself off and, pfft, you know, didn't even care. You remember those days? And now they're like, don't touch me, you're all sweaty, you know? Staying up late, texting. I remember when Lauren was in Europe for like six months and uh, six years, no, six weeks but it felt like six months because when you just fall in love and they're gone and your heart breaks and had to buy these prepaid international calling cards so that I could call her in the middle of the night but how did I know because she was backpacking around Europe so how did I know where to call what to call well she would have to go early get to the front desk get the phone number to call the pay phone and then get on their computer and email that to me so I could check my email at 1am in the morning and then I could get my prepaid calling card and I could call her and talk about sweet nothing literally to her while she's on the phone standing in a puddle of the last homeless person's urine with her bag getting soaked in it all because she loved me. And now you're like, I can't pull over for three seconds to text them. When I first loved Lauren, I remember driving up and down the Hume Highway, leaning into the other way, because drive, yep, leaning into the console, being like, baby, I love you, you know, and she just want to be near me, and I want to be near her. I used to open the door for her. I still open the door for her a lot, but, but, but now my, my key, my car has like a key fob on it, so I just, I mean, sorry, a key code on it, so I just walk up and type in, 699432, you know, I made that up just trying to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> and, uh, and I type in the code there and, and, and then I open the door and I press. And, and, and now sometimes I still want to open the door. So I like, I'll be like, you stay there. You st don't move. All right. I'm, I'm going to run around and put the code in and I'm going to run back and I open the door and people are like, what is happening with these weirdos, you know? But then sometimes I don't because it's raining and I'm like, no, you'll just get wet. And she's like, no, I'm getting in. I'm like, okay, I think I need to bring back the key fob and get rid of the coated door. Amen. Yes. You remember your first love with your husband, with your wife? You remember how their quirks were just so cute and you loved it? And now their quirks aren't so cute 
And you can't believe they still do it. I heard that men marry women hoping they never change, and they always do. Women marry men hoping they change, and they don't. Right? Lauren and I recently had a fight, an actual fight. Hadn't had one in, I don't know, a year. We had an actual fight about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, about brie cheese. All right? Who knows what brie cheese is? Give me a wave. It's cheese covered in mold. All right? Skin, the skin is literally mold, right? Now, she used to laugh at the way I eat my brie cheese, where I'll be like, well, I'm going to cut off the mold for sure. And I'm going to eat that gooey gorgeousness on the inside there. That, that, I'm going to eat that, right? And she used to laugh at that. I used to get a spoon, right? And just like spoon the niceness out of the brie cheese, right? And she would laugh. She'd be like, oh, he always does this, you know. And, 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 and then a couple of weeks ago, she got mad at me. And I'm like, wait, after 15 years, after 15 years, you still surprised that I'm going to cut the mold off the outside of my cheese? I hate the taste. Uh, she's like, oh, you just eat it anyway. I'm like, I-, I can't eat it anyway. I don't like eating it. I hate it. She's like, just eat it. I'm like, then you eat some chili peppers. I don't like them. Exactly. <laughs> just eat it anyway. I'm like, Lo, look, I pretend to like your mom's chocolate mousse because I don't want to hurt her feelings. But you know I don't like this mold stuff, right? And I don't want to be like your dad in 50 years, still eating chocolate mousse that she thinks he loves, but he hates it with all his heart. I don't want to be like that. He's still eating it. And if she watches this sermon, now she's going to know. It was so dumb. Like, we ain't got enough bad things in our life that we've got to fight over brie cheese just to have a fight. Come on, somebody. Isn't it funny, though, how things we found cute at first, begin, we begin to despise later on? Isn't it crazy how the things we enjoyed at the start, we can tend to walk away from later in life? What did your love... Sorry, what did your love relationship with God look like at first? What did you love about your relationship with God that perhaps has grown cold now? So I want to give you a few pointers, some things I think you can and should do to get back to your first love. You ready for this? Because it doesn't say get back to just just how you loved me just at first. Like it actually uses this, it's a concept there in, in, in that terminology there. It's talking about that young love that people have to get back to that. So the first one I wanted to, wanted to ask you is this. Remember when you loved reading the Word of God? You loved discovering new things about God, discovering how to live for God, you know, letting the, word or, the water of the Word wash over you. And you couldn't wait to get in the Word of God. Remember those days? Just like when, when, with Lauren and I, I couldn't wait to talk to her, to learn about her, to read one of the letters that she would send me, one of the emails she would send me. I couldn't wait to read it, to, to find out what she's been doing, what she thinks about something, how she enjoyed a certain building or city, right? Remember when you used to love to get to know more about God by reading His Word? I want to tell you, get back into the Word. Amen? The world needs biblically literate Christians who don't just come to church, get a couple of verses to chew on, and that's enough time getting to know God for this week. No, we need Christians that know the Word, that study the Word, that understand the Word of God. So when the devil comes, like he came to Eve, and he says, did God really say? You can say, I know what he said. Amen. Come on, I've been thinking about an idea. I've been chatting to Pastor Connor about it too for our kids and our youth that by the time a kid graduates 12th grade, that, that, that whether it's from, from toddlers or preschool or, or youth or, 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 or kids' church, that, that in those years that they will have heard in church every single verse, every kid, every verse, Bible literacy. Amen. Remember when you loved the Word of God. Get back in the Word if you don't want Him to hold this one thing against you. Amen? Remember when you lifted your hands in worship? Remember that? 
when you didn't care what people thought of you, when you loved being in His presence so much that you would lift up holy hands in worship like the Word of God commands you. Don't tell me to lift my hands, Pastor. I'm not. The Bible does. All right? Come on, remember when you worshipped, you presented your body as a living sacrifice, as your true and present worship, come on. That it wasn't just being there, but, but your body was involved in your worship. Remember when you lifted your hands like a Pentecostal, not a Baptist, or a Lutheran, or a Presbyterian? You know, remember those days? When you, remember when your kids could see you worship God. They didn't just assume you worship God. They didn't just think you worship God, but they know you worship God because they could see that my dad or my mom, they love to worship God. Remember those days? Remember when you didn't care how sore your arms got in worship because you just wanted to reach out holy hands to the Lord and surrender to God like, like you'd hold both hands. Sorry, like when you were, when you were in love, how you, you both would hold hands and it didn't matter how sweaty or how wet their hands got. You were like, but I love you and I want to hold you. Remember that? I remember when in church you would lift up your hands for a few minutes in worship, even if you did shoulder day just before church? Come on, we got to get back into worship. And not just on Sundays. Come on, not just a weekend thing. You need to love to worship again like you used to. Man, I'll roll up at traffic lights sometimes worshiping. Every now and again, I got my hands up and people are like, what's this guy doing? I'm like, I don't even care. I don't care. I'm a weirdo. It's all good. Remember when you didn't check your clock in church? That's the third point, by the way. <laughs> Remember when you didn't check your clock in church? It's a pretty self-serving point, I must admit. But remember when you didn't come to church to tick a box? When you would love the presence of God and didn't care if the preacher went seven minutes over time? Remember when you, you didn't schedule things? Sorry, when you didn't schedule things seven minutes after church? But you allowed time for, for maybe for the word, for the preacher to maybe, you know, go a little longer or, or maybe for the worship or maybe you left time for an altar call or maybe you left time that you could actually go and chat to the church in the lobby out there. Remember that? Remember when, when church was, when your relationship with God and your, and, and your church uh, what wasn't, wasn't dictated to by, by your wristwatch? Remember when you just loved being with God even when it wasn't your favorite song or music style? I love it that we have people in our church that don't like our music but just love the presence of God in this place and love seeing other young people particularly just passionate about the presence of God and so they don't care about the music style. Just like when you were dating, you didn't care if you liked the restaurant so long as you were there with your love, right? Come on, you got to get back into his presence. Don't get so busy fighting culture fighting the culture of the world that you just forget to sit at his feet. So busy working for God, so busy serving God that you forget to just enjoy his presence. You know, the whole Mary Martha principle, right? We had two sisters in the Bible hanging out with Jesus, Mary and Martha. And one of them was just sitting there, just, 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 just loving God's presence, loving there, just loving being there with Jesus. And the other one is out there like stacking the dishwasher and she's like, what? God, she's just sitting there doing nothing. And Jesus says, we need to do both. We need to work for God and we need to serve God, but we need to sit at his feet too. We need to marry and Martha. Amen. We've got more on this one. You ready for this? You need to get back into the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Or get the Holy Spirit back in you. I don't even know how you, how you survive being a bold Christian or, 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 or influencing this world without the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't even know how, that, how that's possible. Remember when you lived with power, when you wanted the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life, when you didn't think it was the Father, Son, and the dead Holy Spirit. One of the Trinity died on a cross and rose again. Pro tip, it wasn't even the Holy Spirit. He's still here. Amen. Better that I go that I may leave 
the Holy Spirit with you. Remember when you saw signs and wonders because you actually prayed for people? Oh, we don't see signs anymore in my life because you don't pray for people. Come on. Remember when you were bold, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8? When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. Amen. <clears throat> Scripture says to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. Continually. Listen, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got a gas tank. Scripture says to go to the gas station continually. Don't just have the tank, fill it with gas. That's what it says, be filled continually. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come to the altar and simply say, God, I want more of you, Lord. God, I don't know what's wrong in my life. I don't know what I need, but I know I need a fresh touch. Remember when you would be in church and you felt dry and you felt wounded, but you couldn't pinpoint it, but you knew you needed something from God, so you didn't walk out the door. You came down the front and said, just, just God, touch my heart. God, refresh. Remember those days. Get back into the Holy Spirit. Get back to the altar. Can I get an amen? Now people be like, well... <clears throat> I'm only going to go to the altar if I can pinpoint the problem and give God the solution. They're like, well, I'm going to come down the front and be like, God, my wife doesn't respect the fact that I don't like to eat mold. And I'd like you to change your heart. Like, quit only coming to the altar if you can diagnose and treat it yourself. Right? What happened to, God, I need you. I don't know what's going on. I know it's hot out there. I, I, I know the temperature and the climate of the world, like metaphorically, is like, is like, is warming and people are getting angry at each other. And, and, and God, and it's, it's affecting. I don't really know how to fix this, but God, I know I need a fresh touch. Or you could go home. Maybe I'm going to get a little controversial for a second. 15 minutes, two pages, I can do this. Out of 26, come on, I got you. Here we go, listen to this. I'm going to be Pentecostal for a minute. I used to have this preacher that came to Australia and, and he'd be like, come on, you Penties, be Penty. Um, get back into speaking in tongues. The world doesn't need Christians who just come to church for a dose of the Holy Ghost, but rather they need Christians that pray in the Spirit all week long. If you want to stay on fire for the, for the Lord in the midst of a crazy world, speak in tongues, pray in tongues. Now, some of y'all, you're like, ooh, what's he talking about? And some of y'all are like, yay. Listen, here's who I am. I like, not I like, I, I, I'm like Paul the Apostle. I don't mean like, look at me, I'm the apostle. No, what I mean is my understanding of tongues is very, very straight Bible, okay? It, it's not going to be about, well, my friend this or, or this denomination, that. It's just here's what the word says, okay? And, and I like Paul. Paul says, he says, um, he says um, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, number one, if Paul does something more than anybody else, I want to know what it is. And I want it in my life, right? And so Paul's like, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. You know, and then he goes on and he says, um, I wish you would all speak in tongues. And I'm like, okay, Paul's saying something like that. That's something I want to do. Now, he then goes on and says, I'd rather you prophesy. So what he's saying is, if you're only going to do one, prophesy. Now, we've talked on that a few months ago, did a message right on that and what that means, right? And so, so that matters too. We almost never talk about this, but this does matter too. So today I'm talking about the first two lines of that passage, all right, where he says, I wish you would all prophesy. I, so I wish you would all speak in tongues. And, and I'm like, <coughs> excuse me. And, and so, so I'm telling you, that means we can speak in tongues. I believe that. That, that, that we can ask God for the gift of tongues and we, can, and we can receive that in our lives. That it's not something that's only for the, for the special Christians. All right? But I'm going to warn you about something. I, I, I'm just like Paul in the application of tongues, right? Paul says, why did he say prophesy? He's talking about the gathering, okay? Yeah, and so, so in the gathering, like speak encouraging things, quote scripture to each other, lift each other up with, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do that. When you're together, I'd rather, if you're going to speak in tongues, do that for yourself. What's he mean? Look, if you want to speak in tongues in our worship service, do it. Go for it. But if you're going to do it so loud that you become the object of everybody's attention, you, you, you have now become the object of worship. 
Why? We were worshiping God. Now we all staring at you. <clears throat> Same reason you can't get up in our church and blow your chauffeur. Why? Because we all going to think there's a terrorist attack or something going on. Like they're warning us, right? Like you, when you do things, when you get up and run around or something, what happens is you become the object of people's attention when they should be worshiping God. Now, there are things where people are inspired by what you do, but when you take everybody's attention away from what God's doing. You hear what I'm saying? So at Eternity Church, if you want to yell out in tongues, one of our ushers will come up and be like, yo, do that at home, big dog. Okay. Because we want to do church in a biblical fashion. Paul talks about order that's open to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, here's the cool thing about tongues, though. Paul said, speaking in tongues, and this is why he said that you should do it, and that, that it's more about you than it is about, in, about to the church. He said, because it edifies yourself. Isn't that interesting? That there is something that you can do to edify yourself. So as your pastor who wants to preach to an edified, strong, bold church that loves the Lord, I need you to know that you have a secret weapon. Tongues edifies your soul. If you don't speak in tongues, you're welcome to stay behind after service and our team will pray for you. We're going to have an altar call for everybody, but then after that, if you want to learn more about that, you can do that. You can also do our Holy Spirit Bible study and just go to the website and we'll talk more about that. But... Tongues edifies your soul. And an edified soul isn't easily persuaded away from the Lord. An edified soul doesn't fall out of love with the Lord. An edified soul can't, sorry, can stand firm in a world that demands conformity. An edified soul will be a soul that loves to love the Lord. Amen? Come on. Okay, and last one. Get back into growth. Get back into growing closer to God. In fact, Jesus even said, if you love me, you'll obey me. See, a part of loving him is obedience, taking steps in your life, growth in your life. There's always going to be another faith step that God wants you to take in your life. Always. Well, I took a big faith step. I joined the bold campaign. Awesome. God's not done with you. I took a big faith step. I, I, I reconciled my marriage. Awesome. God's not done with you. I took a big faith step. I stopped abusing my husband for not eating mold. Awesome. God's not done with you yet. <laughs> she gets to preach in like six weeks and I'm a little nervous. <clears throat> but seriously, God's not done. Listen, if you're still breathing... There's more. If you're still breathing, there's another faith step. There's another growth step. There's another trust step. There's another intimacy step with God. Come on. We want to get back into growing in our relationship with God. Get back into loving the word at church and at home. Get back into coming to church with a, with a, with a Billy Madison, I'm here to learn kind of attitude, right? Instead of coming to church being like, I'm coming here to, to judge whether or not the pastor lines up with my uneducated personal preferences for theology. Can't stand all the garbage I get thrown out online from people who have who, 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 who found half a verse that somebody else shared seven years ago with no context whatsoever. Right? Come to church to learn, to grow, to increase in your relationship with God. Amen. And if you don't trust the pastor to teach you, find a new church with one that you do. Love knowing the Lord more. Love serving Him more. Love spending time with Him more. Love obeying Him more. Every time you obey the Lord, something good happens in your life. Every single time God says, take this step and you say, yes, Lord, something good happens in your life. Every single time. Every single time. Love the journey. Lining yourself up with His perfect plan for your life. Amen. Right now I'm going to hand over in Adele. I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Connor. Love you all. You're amazing.
Thanks for joining us today. But right here, even before we go into the salvation altar call, which we'll do in about six minutes, I want to have an altar call for everyone. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to honor what God's about to do by not running out the door. Okay? Who knows what God might want to do in your life? I promise you, your bladder won't break. God designed it stronger than that. He can handle the next eight minutes. He's so good. But God does want to do something right now. He's proud of you. He's proud of our church. He's proud of you as an individual. As a church, I feel like it's gotten sweeter, but some of us, you might feel like perhaps as you continue to fight, which you're called to do, and as you endure, and as you stand firm, that perhaps you're spending all of your effort focusing on the fight instead of the father. I wonder if you've lost your first love. Are you sitting in the bucket seat? Have you lost your passion for your relationship with your father? If you wouldn't mind standing up with me right now. In a moment, we're going to sing that song, This is the Air I Breathe. And in it, there's some words. And they say, um, and I'm desperate for you. And I'm lost without you. And I wonder when's the last time you sung a song like that to God and you meant it. And it wasn't just a cool lyric. It's an old song, very, very old. I used to sing it when I was in church, but I love it. I want to invite you to come down the front to the altar and sit on the bench seat. I don't literally mean sit down, but if you want to, you do you, boo-boo. I'm not not going to judge. But walk down the front and get back to the altar. Get rid of the bucket seat. Get back on the bench seat with your Father in heaven. He hasn't moved. He's still there. Still, still there. Still there. I believe that even just that action of walking down the front today, that faith step of walking down the front, is just going to be like that, 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 that moment where you slide back over on the bucket seat. I remember moments in our lives where we weren't necessarily like having a big fight, although we did have more earlier on in our marriage, but... You know that moment where it's like, well, there's been some tension. I haven't really been as kind to you as I should or paying attention to you like I should. And then, and then you're like, you reach out and grab their hand in the car anyway. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Should I do this? She might be like, don't touch me, fool. Or she might hold my hand. Well, God's not going to reject you. You hear what I'm saying? But you do need to take that faith step. That, that slide back over you know as you come down the front I really do believe that that's going to be that faith step coming closer to God again there's chaos in the world I know you're actually safer right next to him than you are in the, in the bucket seat with, the, with that fancy over the shoulder seat belt so we're going to pray and worship together and we're going to sing that song Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.